All right, Faith Trump's Giftings Part 3, God's Timing. So um, we had a few things that we were talking about last time. Um, so just kind of recap a little bit. Um, basically, you know, one thing that we've, we've, we've talked about is that if you study the scriptures, you'll notice that Jesus never really talks about giftings. He doesn't teach about spiritual gifts. He just teaches about faith. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. He doesn't say, these signs will follow those who are gifted. Okay, so um, it was about two hours. So if you haven't, you know, um, got it caught up, you know, get caught up with the teachings um, to help explain a few things. The idea is that in Luke chapter nine, just kind of really try to recap as fast as I can on some of this. Luke chapter nine, verse one through six, um, Jesus gives these people authority. And verse forty-nine, there's a group that didn't, that wasn't there, that wasn't present to receive that authority. Yet they still operated in this gifting. And, they, and the disciples came back to Jesus and said, hey, they weren't with us. They're not a part of us. We told them to stop um, because they were casting demons and stuff out in, our, in your name. And Jesus says, don't do that. You know, so he's, the idea is they were operating in verse 49 in something that they were given in verse one, and they shouldn't have been operating in that. You see what I'm saying? And so the idea is how did they do that? And we're on a journey to, to discover that you have to have authority in order to operate in spiritual giftings and, and supernatural things and whatnot. Um, but how do you get that? And there's actually a process of that. So the last hour we talked about the process of promotion. Um, and so that goes into detail about how humility, <clears throat> knowledge, and faith are the three-step um, three-step uh, process for receiving promotion, for getting authority, for getting grace in your life. These uh, give you grace. God gives grace to the humble. Uh, it says in the scriptures, um, for may grace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Christ, and also um, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Again, that's a whole hour of teaching, so we're not going to preach on that again, but uh, you got the, we've got the teachings, we're recording them so you can catch up. So basically, God gives authority. Authority comes through promotion, okay? Promotion comes through a process, okay? And basically, the, the to shorten it down, if you're submissive, if you are learning, and if you are persevering, then you'll be promoted. Another way to say this is obedient Teachable and a problem solver. What boss would not promote someone who was obedient, teachable, and a problem solver? So in every area of our life that we are not an overcomer, okay, if we're failing in an area or we're not adequate, we need grace in that area in our life. Make sense? We need grace to overcome in these areas in our life. The only way you can overcome is if you're obedient teachable and a problem solver it means you're going to push through you're not going to give up that makes sense really good teachings really really good material so get caught up on it um, so what we're going to go to next is um, Matthew chapter 17 okay basically the idea is well I guess another thing I need to explain too is people oftentimes when they talk about this, this word gifting they, they think something come, just comes easy. It just comes naturally. Okay? 
Well, it's just going to come easy for them. Even someone who plays music, they're like, well, I wish I was gifted like you. But every good musician understands that they didn't, weren't born with this ability. Nobody was born with the ability to play the guitar. Nobody. You know? Now they play, and then they got to practice. And then they, you see what I'm saying? They got to practice, they got to seek knowledge, they got to persevere. They have to submit themselves to teachers. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. All those processes get them to be able to, they're actually good. But everybody else wants to sell. Oh, I wish I had a gift like that. Man, you're just gifted. Oh, or better yet, oh, I'm not gifted in that area. In other words, I'm not willing to make the sacrifice to get that. It makes sense? Because anyone who's willing to make the sacrifice can do well. Okay, makes sense? Um, so we're going to go. Everybody thinks it just comes like, everyone, everyone. What we're trying to, to what we're trying to do here, the, the point of this teaching is the whole point of this whole series is to say that things don't just come naturally, just just to come naturally. Okay? There is a process that anyone can have these things. The scripture teaches us that we that we should pursue the higher gifts. Okay, well, why can we pursue higher gifts and not expect to to, to, to experience the majority of them? You see what I'm saying? Um, it says in the First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty-nine through thirty-one: Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. So obviously, the implied answer was no. Not everybody operates in these, right? But the very next verse says, "But earnestly desire them." So this is this is backwards to what we normally teach, which is, "Hey, here's the spiritual gift list." And what we normally do in our brain is, that's a spiritual disqualification list, not a spiritual gifting list, right? Immediately when you read the, script, the, the spiritual giftings, most people will say, well, that's not my gift. Well, that's not my gift. Well, that's not my gift. Well, that's my gift. In other words, that doesn't come naturally to me. That's what, they're really, that's what they think giftings are. But giftings don't come naturally. Giftings come through grace. Let me say that again. Giftings... Don't come naturally. Scripture doesn't teach that, actually. Wow. It doesn't say that anywhere. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it say, hey, this person was born with this ability. It says they're giftings. And we infer in our brain because of a of, uh, because of culture, because of church culture, that, oh, that must have come naturally to them. They must have been born with that. But the scripture doesn't actually teach that. The scripture teaches us that the giftings come not naturally, not naturally, they come by grace. Well, there's a process to receive grace. God gives grace to the humble, James chapter 4. When I found that out, God gives grace to the humble, you know what I realized? I can get any gift that I'm humble about. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. <laughs> then the next one, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Whoa, wait a minute, I can get more? See, I thought I could just have one grace a long time ago. I just thought, well, just one grace. Just, just one grace. May grace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. So in the knowledge, so humble, and then knowledge. So in other words, if I don't know that I can have that gift, how am I going to? How can I get that gift? Because Scripture says grace comes by—I mean, faith comes by hearing. 
So if I don't know I can have it, then I can't have it either. Just like salvation. If you don't teach somebody about salvation, they can't receive it. Same thing with healing. If you don't teach people they can be healed, they can't receive it. So all the gifts are the same way. Every gift from God comes the same way, by grace. And we get grace by being humble, by knowledge, and by faith. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8. For by, gr by grace you've been saved through faith. Make sense? The giftings, the Bible does not teach us that giftings come naturally. The Bible teaches us that giftings come by grace. And grace is not natural. Grace has to be... I know this sounds weird, but everyone says grace is unmerited. Okay, but we even read in a passage, I think it was um, <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus grew in favor. And we found out that the word favor is the same word for grace. Okay, so Jesus grew in grace. How can Jesus grow in grace when he's perfect, right? I didn't understand that at first. I thought, what in the world? Jesus grew in grace? How can Jesus grow in grace? He's perfect. You know, so then I realized that Jesus had to grow in grace. Maybe there's something we don't understand about grace. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's different than what we thought. And if Jesus had to grow in grace, I definitely have to grow in grace. See what I'm saying? Make sense? Fine. Cool. I think we did a good little recap there. We also talked about how when God gave, um, the uh, when the master gave the servants the talents according to their ability, we realized that ability is power, and that ability is the grace you start off with today. What grace do you start off with today? That is your ability. What have you worked in humility in? What have you worked in knowledge in? What have you um, persevered in in faith? That's your grace. Okay? Whatever you've applied those three things to, that's what your grace is. Okay? And you'll receive and be multiplied and more grace will come to you in those areas. And that is your ability. Your ability is the grace that you operate in today. Make sense? And so then when we're faithful with the little, then God gives us more. So you can grow in grace. Very powerful stuff to realize. All right, so on that note, that's a good little recap. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Verse 19 through 20. Alright, it says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. Your little faith. And some, some, some translations just say, Unbelief. Okay? Because of your unbelief. For truly I say to you, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain... Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. <clears throat> what did he not say in this, right? So first of all, they asked the question, why, why could we not cast it out this was the question this is the question that we all have when we pray for somebody and they don't get healed 
How come they didn't get healed? How come they didn't get healed? I'm gonna we're gonna basically tear down all these doctrines that have bound us up. I found this that the truth sets you free, okay? If it's not setting you free, then it's not the truth. If you believe it and you're not free, it's not the truth. If you believe it, but it's not setting you free, it's not the truth. <clears throat> the truth, you shall know the truth. First of all, you have to know it. You shall know the truth, and then the truth shall set you free, or the truth will make you free. <clears throat> Why did we not cast it out? Because of your little faith or unbelief, right? What did he not say that everyone else says? How about this one? God's timing. Well, maybe it's not God's timing. People say that all the time. All the time. Where's the scripture? Give me, someone needs to teach me a Bible study on God's timing. I want to find the scriptures. Where in the Bible does it talk about God's timing? You know? Now I got I got a couple that I want to share with you because I actually found two passages. But it's very interesting. Um, so I'm going to kind of go through here and look for it real quick. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I think it's Habakkuk. But uh, give me one second. God's timing. He did not say God's timing. Uh, what I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to scroll through here real quick. Okay, so we're going to look uh, two passages here in a minute. Okay. Back at 2, verse 3, and Psalm 18.30. Let's go over there to those. Um, I put on Facebook a while back, it's not a matter of God's timing, it's a matter of God's faithfulness and our faith that He is not a liar. Okay? So we're going to start over here in Habakkuk, real quick, chapter 2, verse 3. <clears throat> it says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. So obviously... There are some things that have an appointed time, right? For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3. Habakkuk 2, verse 3. Okay. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Wait a minute. If it seems slow... It will not delay. There's a spiritual principle here about faith and believing the Word of God, period, no matter what you're experiencing. It will not delay. There's a promise there. Even though it says, if it seems slow, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Okay? Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, alright, so does it make sense? Okay. So the next one, go over here to Psalm 18, verse 30. Does that make sense right here, what I just said? It, this, I love that passage because it's the only one I can ever find on God's timing, and it kind of debunks God's timing anyway. And what I mean by that is it doesn't, it doesn't really debunk God's timing. It, debunk, it debunks people's lack of faith in God to move when they say, well, <clears throat> it's God's timing. We've got to stop doing God's timing. We've got to stop saying God's timing. We just need to believe God and say, hey, just wait for it. It will come. Just wait for it. It will come. There's a difference between saying that and saying God's timing. When people say God's timing, what they really say is, hey, we can go ahead and take our faith off now. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, 
it's all God is in control, you know? It's a heretic, heretical song, I think, but I mean, it's not. <laughs> that song is, anyway. God is able to make all things work towards the good of those who love him. Yes. But, and, and is God in control? There is, some, there, there is a measure of God being in control. But a lot of things that we are dealing with, God is not in control of. There's a reason why Jesus has to become the Lord of my heart. Because he's not in control of me. I have to submit to him and I have to give him control. You see? If God was in control, then I wouldn't have a need to submit. You see? I have to give him the right and rule to reign in my heart. You see? There's a lot of things that happen that God is not controlling. God is not making happen. Okay? In the end, God will have the final say. Because he's a sovereign God, which means that he has the right to pass judgment and create laws that we must all answer to and hold us accountable, hold us accountable to. Make sense? So in the end, it will all be made right. But those little details, we can't say that God's doing all of it. Does that make sense? <clears throat> anyway, does that make sense? Um, okay. So Psalm 18, verse 30. Let's go there. And I've got whole hours of teaching on God's will. We're not going to get too much into it. We're going to talk about God's timing today. But Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Psalm. Verse 30. <clears throat> this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Okay? The word of the Lord proves true. That's what's most important. It's not about the, the timing issue. So in this passage in Matthew chapter 17, when he says, why could we not cast it out? I'm here expecting Jesus to start spouting out all of our lazy doctrines, you know? All the stuff that we just want to spout out because we're lazy. Because we don't really want to dig. We don't really want to hold fast. We're like, well, it's easy to just blame it on God. It's not God's timing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what? I'm not, I'm not seeing the results I want. So instead of me persevering and pushing through, which is hard, because I might make a fool of myself, I'm going to look at somebody and say, God's going to heal you. No, it's easier for me to fall back on God and say, you know what? It's God's timing. <clears throat> but Jesus never talked about God's timing. Actually, he did talk about God's timing one time. I want to mention it here in a second. Also, he did not talk about God's will. Well, it wasn't God's will for that guy to get healed today or an hour ago. Because, you know, he got healed right away after that, right? He also said he also did not say that it had to do with some special gifting. Well, you guys just aren't gifted. He didn't say that. It's just not your gifting. He also didn't say, well, only special people can do this. Like the apostles. Oh, wait, they were the apostles. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <clears throat> you know what I mean? Or only Jesus can do this. I've heard people say that. Well, only Jesus can raise the dead. Well, what about everybody else in the Bible that raised the dead? People like that just don't read their Bible. <laughs> Sorry. That was God. <laughs> he also said, he also didn't say only I can do this. He also did not say, uh, he never mentioned the boy's faith or the father's faith. Now, there were times in the scripture where someone got healed and he looked at the guy who, who got healed and said, your faith has made you well. Jesus did mention that a few times. But in this situation, <clears throat> he did not blame the father and he did not blame the son, even though the father admitted that he had unbelief. 
Who did Jesus hold accountable? The believers. Of course the boy's not going to believe. He's full of epileptic seizures and a demon. It's difficult for him to believe. Of course the father's going to have trouble. He's been dealing with all of his life. But the disciples, now they represent Jesus. They represent a new way of faith. Jesus did not blame those other people. In the end, he said, look, the buck stops with you, boys. You're my disciples. You're the one following me. You're the one taking this new way, believing in faith. It's on you. Very, very interesting. <clears throat> so in other words, when somebody comes up to me and they want to get healed, and I pray for them and they don't get healed, I never tell them, look, if you just have enough faith. I never tell them that, even though it's true. I never tell them that. The reason why I don't tell them that is because if you're coming to me, that means you're exhausted your faith, and now you're coming to me and expecting me to have faith. That means if you don't get healed this time, it's my fault. Does that make sense? So I, it's about taking responsibility as the disciple. So if somebody comes to get prayed for, I'm not going to say, hey, look, if you just had faith. No, if I just had faith. If, listen, if anyone has faith in the room, if anyone, it doesn't matter if the little kid had faith, if, if grandma had faith, if someone across the world who's your relative who's been praying for you all night, they had faith and none of us had faith in the room, but that person's over there in the other room praying, they had faith, you're going to get healed. Somebody has to have faith. Somebody, just one person. That's why Jesus said anything. Uh, look, the, the, the Father says, look, if you can do anything, he, he, I think it's Mark chapter 9. Let's go there. Mark chapter 9. He said, if you can do anything, where's it at? Yeah, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and, heal, and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. He didn't say, all things are possible for me. He didn't say, all things are possible for God. He said, all things, this is verse 23, chapter 9, Mark 9, 23. If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Just one. No, You know that nobody in the whole crowd had faith. Nobody that was there had faith. Jesus, did, I mean, uh, the, the father didn't have faith. The, the boy didn't have faith. The disciples didn't have faith. The crowd didn't have faith. Jesus was the only one who had faith. And he didn't leave him hanging there either. He was like, well, look, if y'all have faith, he get healed. We he didn't do that. He was like, look, I'll go ahead and demonstrate how this works. Boom. Gathering, right? So Jesus never allowed, there isn't anybody who ever came to Jesus to get prayed for that didn't get healed. Jesus never ever allowed the other person's lack of faith to hinder them from getting healed. Because Jesus was a man, and Jesus had faith. And Jesus was going to go ahead and stand in the gap for them. You see what I'm saying? That's why he always finished the job. When nobody else could finish it, he would go ahead and finish it for them and demonstrate, hey, this is how it works. If somebody, just one, if anybody, if anyone, just one of you guys can have faith, this is what's going to happen. Let me show you. Boom, that guy got healed. That's why I said, look, if you have faith in the mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and nothing would be impossible for you. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing could be impossible. But what is impossible in your life? This is why I love this part. What is impossible in your life? What have you found to be impossible? And Jesus says, you know those little, hi, my name is, little tags? Yeah. So take your little impossible thing, whatever it is, and write this little tag up that says, hi, my name is, and put nothing. Hi, my name is nothing. And stick it on your impossibility. Because your, impossibil your impossibility is nothing. 
nothing will be impossible for you. You just have to have faith. You just have to believe. You can't doubt. You have to get rid of your unbelief. Nothing will be impossible for you. The righteous shall walk by faith. You know how we walk in righteousness and we don't keep on falling in the same pit all the time? Because we believe we're the righteousness of God. Am, do I feel like the righteousness of God? No, sometimes I don't. But I believe it. The righteous shall walk by faith. I am walking in righteousness because I believe it. Not because I'm something great. I believe something that ain't. I'm looking at my messed up personhood and I'm saying, this is not who I am. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm a new creation. That takes faith to believe when I'm all messed up. See what I'm saying? The righteous shall walk by faith. Whatever is impossible for you, put nothing on it. That's the name of it now. Nothing will be impossible for you. What he did say, the disciples' faith has something to do with it. Don't blame God. Don't blame the oppressed. <laughs> the disciples, this is what he did say. Your, your faith has something to do with it. Don't blame God. Don't blame the oppressed. And we're talking about nothing. Like, this is whenever someone looks at that passage and says, did he really mean that nothing will be impossible for you? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, that's, that's the devil, right? Coming in and being like, did he really say that? Like, that's what he says. Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say, don't eat from the tree? Did God really say that? So anytime you read the scripture and immediately, because you know that's what happened just now when I read that. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know that immediately your heart said, did God really say that? That's the devil. <laughs> that's unbelief taking root and taking seed in your life. You hear the word and immediately the word, the, the scripture says that, 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 um, that it's like the, the, like the seed that falls on the, on the, on the ground, on the, on the roadside, and immediately the birds come and take it up because they don't understand. Okay? So there's a part where we need to seek understanding. So let me, uh, let me explain a little bit more of this. What does it mean by nothing? You know the Greek word there for nothing? It means nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Ask anything in my name. Why don't we just go ahead and play with it for a minute? Why don't we just go ahead and actually believe that it's not impossible? Why don't we just entertain the thought? Isn't that kind of exciting? I get goosebumps thinking about it. I'm, my heart jumps up like this is truth. Like this is life. Like, why are we running from this? Because we're afraid of failure, that's why. Look, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. 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 So let's give some examples of some absolute ridiculous examples. Nothing will be impossible for you. So you have, okay, so let's just go through some of the, we're not talking about just healings anymore. Like, we're talking about like ridiculous stuff. I had a guy come to me one time who had a cracked computer screen. It's like, could you uh, pray for my computer screen that it won't be cracked anymore? And your first thought is, well, is that even legal? <laughs> well, if this scripture is true, it's legal. You know? You have problems with your car. Is it okay to pray over your car? If you're about to run out of gas, is it okay to pray for your gas to not run out? I mean, think about the supernatural things that we've seen in the scriptures. Like Elisha, when he was dealing with a guy who was uh, chopping away at the tree and the axe head fell off of his axe and it fell down into the pond or whatever, the lake. <clears throat> and he looks at Elisha and says, Elisha, oh my, uh, I, that was a borrowed axe head and I don't know what to do. And so what does Elijah do? He takes a log, he throws it in the water, the log sinks. You know that wood floats, right? <laughs> the log sinks and the axe head floats. Nothing would be impossible for you. One of my personal favorite ones, which the 
the church probably doesn't agree with or like, but whenever Elisha was walking around and 40 young children came out and started making fun of his bald head and he cursed them in the name of the Lord and the she-bear comes out and mauls them all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that wasn't really a fun one. But anyway, okay, what about, um, what about, uh, I'm staying away from healings, okay? I'm going to stay away from healings. What about um, whenever um, the guy was like, hey, we don't have money for our taxes and Jesus was like, go down to the fish. There's a fish in the water. Grab it out. There's a fish. There's a coin in the fish's mouth. Now you can pay your taxes. By the oil. Or what about yeah? What about um, Elijah um, coming down with the with the woman who, who didn't have enough food for her, her and her son? And Elijah said, "Here, give me some morsel of bread first. She's like, "Well, we're all gonna die." And he's like, "Just give me some first. So she makes him some. And the next thing you know, it says that they ate for many days and it never ran dry. Elijah was being fed by ravens at the brook. When nobody was tithing and everybody left him because he told the truth. That's a real preacher right there. Preacher that tells the truth and still loses all the tithes and no more followers. Everybody hates him, wants to kill him now. That's a real preacher. But God still fed him because God was his portion. You know? And so then also Elisha, whenever the whenever the woman was like, Hey, look, um, my sons are in debt and the guy's gonna um, come collect him and put him in slavery, what do I do? Well, here, go get all the jars you can possibly get and just uh, go get your oil that you have and go start filling it up. So they fill up so many jars and paid off all their debt. And when they ran out of jars, then the oil stopped running. You know? What about Jesus walking on water? Nothing. It would be impossible for you. Jesus walking, you know. But didn't Jesus walk through a wall? Yeah. What about um, Peter, whose shackles dropped off his hands and he, the gates opened and he just walked out of prison? <laughs> what about Paul, who got stoned? Pretty much, I think he got stoned to death. Got stoned to death? I believe he got stoned to death. Because who stops stoning somebody unless they think he's dead, right? And then the disciples pick him up and he goes and preaches to the next town. <laughs> You're talking about broken bones and stuff. The guy gets up, you know. Um, Paul, he gets on, he gets shipwrecked. He tells the guys, look, we're going to get shipwrecked. I, the, the Lord showed me in a vision. We can't go on the boat. They said, we're going to go anyway. So he gets on there. It starts, you know, storming and stuff. And Paul's like, I told you so. Right? <laughs> and it's like, I told you. But look, I prayed and an angel came to the Lord. He told me he's going to save everybody. Ain't nobody going to die on this boat. So they shipwreck. Right? Everybody lives. You know? And then we're going to kill everybody. And they're like, no, don't kill everybody. Look, God saved us. So they round them all up. Then they go down to the fire. They go heal the, the, the chieftain's, um, uh, chieftain's mother-in-law. Or maybe it was him. I can't remember. One of the guys had fever. He got healed. Right? And while they're at the fire, a snake comes and bites um, Paul. And he just shakes it off in the deal. And they all thought he was cursed. They shook it off in the fire. And everybody looked and thought he was cursed. Oh, you're supposed to be cursed by the gods. But they didn't die. He didn't swell up. And when that happened, they started worshiping him like a god. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, you must be Zeus. You know? And they're like, no, we're not Zeus. We're just messengers of Jesus, you know? And so we see these miracles, you know? The, 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 mir the miraculous catch. 5,000 people being fed. 4,000 people being fed. What other impossible things? Let's see. Nothing will be impossible for you. Moses. Moses parting the Red Sea. Gnats. He strikes the dust. The dust comes up, becomes gnats. Water into wine. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Why are we? Why? Why all of a sudden when we look at ourselves, nothing will be impossible for you? Nothing. You know, there's another trend, another place that says. Um, he comes out of the of the he comes down to the temple, right? They see a fig tree, okay? He curses the fig tree because he comes up to it. Now this was funny because he goes to the fig tree and it's out of season, so it's not supposed to be producing fruit. God's time. And he goes, oh yeah, what about God's timing, right? 
right? Because even seasons are God's timing. What about God's timing? But Jesus comes up to that. It's like, look, you're not gonna, you're not even gonna produce any more fruit. It's like, Jesus, that's not fair. Why are you gonna curse the fig tree? It wasn't even in season, <laughs> right? They come back and says, look, the, the fig tree you just cursed, just died immediately. Jesus is like, have faith in God. <laughs> like what? Have faith in God. He goes, for surely I say. If you believe, you will do the same, and you do not doubt. If you believe and do not doubt, not only will you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can speak to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will obey you. Now people are like, well, maybe it's just a figurative mountain. Well, is it a figurative fig tree? <laughs> Nothing will be impossible for us. Nothing. So, yeah, you got to crack screen, pray over it. We should start believing God for signs and wonders. That's actually a spiritual gift. Where's that one? Why ain't nobody operating in that one? Because they don't believe. That's why. Legs growing back. That's like a sign and wonder. You know what I mean? We, we got to get to the point where we... You know, okay, um, James today. You know what it is? We get afraid. We're afraid of failure. What if it doesn't happen? What if it does? We, we got, our imaginations get wrapped up in fear instead of our imaginations getting wrapped up in a promise. James was out there today. We were having a meeting. I forgot to tell you about this. He's like, man, I'm having sciatic problems or something. My whole back's hurting. My, and my left butt cheek is, you know, hurting. My glutes. <laughs> <clears throat> I said, well, so I was like, oh, man, I almost want to be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. Right? Lame. Stupid. It's not even a Christian. I'm playing. <laughs> you know, if we, if we understood that Christianity 101 was... The believers that these signs will follow those who believe. That's like Christianity 101. Like we should, that should be like normal for us. You know? So I'm sitting there, he's telling me about his problem. And if I just, if you, if you just knew that every time you laid hands on somebody, they would get healed, why would you, you, nothing would keep you from praying for them. In fact, you would feel an obligation. In fact, you would feel like, you know, like a doctor does when they're like, is there a doctor in the house? A doctor has to show up has to do the procedure, has to fix the problem. If you realize that you were the physician, and that every time you laid hands on somebody, they were going to recover, you would, you would not even skip a beat. Every time you heard about a problem, you lay hands on them and they recover. So I'm sitting there, he's telling me about it. I just almost let him just pass and didn't even pray for him. That was a horrible Christian. You know? But you know, I thought, you know, i got to pray for him. I'm going to pray for him. I said, well, let me, let me come and pray for you. Boom. Pray for him. Boom. He got healed. Right then. Immediately. I'm like, man, I'm so glad I prayed for you. I was sitting here. I almost didn't pray for you. It's like, he goes, nah, it's completely gone. <laughs> I was like, woo, praise God, you know? Yeah. But what, it's because we're afraid that it's not going to work. It's our unbelief. That's the only thing that's holding us back, our unbelief. You know what unbelief is? It's belief. It's just believing the opposite of what God says. You know what unbelief is? It's pride. You think you know better than God. Nothing will be impossible for you. I don't know about all that. Oh, you think you know better than Jesus? You tell, you tell me right now. You want to get an argument with Jesus? Because Jesus now is just now cursed big trees and says you can do the same thing. And you want to say nothing? You want to say he's not? He's lying to you? I remember um, one time my mentor at one point had told me, I, I was telling about John chapter 14, you know, Anyone who believes in me will do the same things I've been doing and greater. And I remember him telling me, man, you know, Zach, are you telling me you've done greater things than Jesus? And I didn't, obviously it's like a pharisaical question, you know, he's just trying to trap me in. 
I'm like, okay, I don't know what to say to you, man. I'm, I mean, you're my mentor, so I'm just going to listen, right? <laughs> so he starts talking and da-da-da-da. But I don't know, man, it won't let me go. I'm like, no, the Word of God's true. You know what it is? Whenever I don't believe Jesus, I'd be calling him a liar. You know? You know, the Bible says a student is not above his master. You know? And it's actually pride for me not to agree with Jesus. If Jesus says you can do the same things that he did and greater, and you disagree with him, you're full of pride. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not anything special. No, Jesus just said you were special. Will you shut up? <laughs> Jesus just said you could do it. If you don't embrace it, then you're resisting the will of God. And that's pride. But humility says, yes, sir. Humility says, okay, you said I can do that. Well, I don't really know. I feel inadequate, but you know, you said I could do it, so I'm going to submit. I'm going to say, okay, God, if that's what you said I can do, then I'm going to do it. Nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. All right. Sorry, we got way off on that. What did he say? He did say it had something to do with the disciples' faith. Right? Don't blame God. Don't blame the oppressed. Unbelief is the problem. Unbelief is belief in the opposite of what God has said. I just said that. It's the recoil of faith. Unbelief is the recoil of faith. Unbelief is the recoil of faith. When you cast your line out to go fish, and all of a sudden you're not getting any bites, and you decide to reel it in, that's unbelief. You gotta leave it. You gotta wait. It's not God's timing. It's nothing to do with God's timing. It has to do with the fact that the fish has to bite. And if you'll wait patiently and see it in faith, it will happen. You know? <clears throat> you cast your... Oh, I already said that. You reel it in too soon. When the when the oppressed are, are digging up your seed, you put a seed in the ground, you're like, oh, nothing's happening. Watching it. Watching it. Nothing's happening. Nothing. You know why it's not working? You dig it up. That's dumb. Leave it in the ground, sucker. <laughs> you gotta let it grow. You gotta let it work, you know? So when we... It, faith has everything to do with perseverance. People who have a hard time believing in healing also have a hard time with patience. Smith Wigglesworth used to say that. I have oftentimes found that the man who has trouble believing in healing also has trouble with patience. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know who Smith Wigglesworth is? He's a plumber from England, 1920s. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber from the 1920s. He had a huge healing ministry. This is the guy who raised his, his wife three times from the dead. And the third time she said, Next time I die, just let me die. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this guy, like, um, okay, one story he did, uh, I'll tell you one story about him. Smith Wigglesworth, uh, this one woman, he was so bold in his faith, all right? This woman comes up, and they, she, he said, he's, they're preaching, and he said, listen, the first person who gets up here is going to get healed. So before he even started the meeting, the first person to run up here to this stage, whatever ailment they have, they're going to get healed. So this woman comes up there, she's got this basketball-sized tumor. <laughs> on her dummy, right? She comes up like this, and there's two ladies holding her up, and he's like, all right, what's going on? Well, you know, she can barely, you know, stand or whatever. She's trouble. She's weak. 
He goes, all right, well, let her go. Let her, uh, just let her, let her stand on her own. When they let, when they let, when they let go of her, she just dropped, hit the ground. And he goes, pick her up. So they picked her up. And of course, there's a gasp to the whole room. <laughs> and he's like, let her go. And they're like, looking at her. But just let her go. But just let her go. So they, they let her go and boom, she falls again. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? He's like, pick her up. Let's pick her up. Let her go. Are you crazy? There's a man in the deal. You are a lunatic. What's wrong with you? You know, I don't remember what he said. I misquoted it probably, you know. You horrible man. He's like, and, then, and Smith Wigglesworth said, you sit down and mind your own business and let me deal with my own business. I know my own business. Let her go. And they let her go that next time and then the tumor just fell off. Wow. And she got completely healed. So this is one of the stories. But, um, you know, there's Smith Wigglesworth, and he's the guy who would pick up the dead guy and throw him against the wall. <laughs> throw him against the wall. <laughs> throw him against the wall. <laughs> and they come back alive. <laughs> Bold pig, you know. I got a few of his books. He's, he's amazing. He he don't play around, you know. He, uh... Did he punch somebody before? I think one time there was a broken arm, and he punched the arm, and it, it got healed. <laughs> <laughs> was that Wigglesworth? Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth. all of his... Oh, yeah, it's a very British name. Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> Wigglesworth, I just said. He was a plumber. The only, the only book he ever read was the Bible. Unbelief. When the oppressed... Okay, another thing he, he, he taught in this passage. When the oppressed doesn't have faith for it, it's time for the saint to have faith for it. So I already mentioned that. The antidote is prayer and fasting. Fasting empties yourself of you, and fasting is a fast track to humility. Okay, And um, <clears throat> prayer fills you back up. So unbelief is pride, right? You think you know better than God, basically. You know, God said that person get healed. Nothing would be impossible for you. Yet you're having trouble believing. Okay, that's okay. You just have pride. You need to get rid of it. How do you do that? You humble yourself. One way to do that is fasting. When you fast, you tell your body shut up. You don't know anything, and then you pray and you fill yourself up. Okay. So you can see here that humility is the doorway to faith and knowledge. Okay, we talked about that earlier. So humility is the doorway to faith and knowledge. Once those things are in place, then grace comes and a confidence in the authority that you have and responsibility, because if you knew that you were the physician, you have a responsibility and power. Then it repeats the cycle and you are given more responsibility. Every time you practice humility, knowledge, and faith, you get promoted again into more authority, into more responsibility, into more uh, th things to take care of. He who is faithful with a little will be given much. So what about God's timing? So um, everybody's like, what about God's timing? You know, God's timing. All right, let's go over here to John chapter 2. Verse 1 through 5. It says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And of course, we know the rest of the story. They go and start pouring water in the jars and they become wine. 
And he goes back, and the guy's like, this is the best wine we've ever had. You know, normally they have, the, 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 they serve the good stuff at the beginning, and now they're serving, the, you know, the bad stuff at the end, but y'all serve, you held the best for the, for the last. Mary's, okay, watch this. If anyone knew God's timing, it would be Jesus, right? If there's anyone in the world that really understands God's timing, that would be Jesus. Jesus is like this. It's not my hour. Who gives that hour? God. It's not my hour. And she's like, just do whatever it tells you. Screw God's timing. Uh, okay, okay. Right? It's not God's timing for me to do anything right now, Mom. Just, just do whatever he says. Just. <laughs> Mary's faith pulled down something that Jesus, the Son of God, said was not God's timing. Mary's faith pulled... Mary's faith violated God's timing. Faith moves mountains. Check this out. Job, chapter 19. Again, this comes down to even the title. Tr faith trumps giftings. Faith also trumps timing. Job 19, verse 23. So you know that, that Job doesn't even fall underneath the new covenant, right? He doesn't have the same promises that we do. He doesn't have a redemption story. Job doesn't have the promise that we have of redemption. In fact, Job predates the law, which means <clears throat> that um, restitution and things like that weren't even in play. He didn't have the same promises that even Moses gave the people of Israel. Okay, he predated all that. Okay, the Bible says um, that whenever Job, um, when the devil came and talked to God about Job, he says, "Behold, all that is belongs to Job is in your hands." He wasn't giving him that it was already true right think about this whenever the devil comes to Jesus in the temptations he says behold here's all the kingdoms of the world they've been given to me by who not by God but by man because man had authority over the earth and he forfeited his he had forfeited the kingdoms of the earth to the devil <clears throat> so the devil already had dominion over the earth by ruling over man so whenever God whenever God talks to Job I mean when God's talking to Satan Satan comes up to the to the to the council in heaven in the heavens, he's like, "Where do you come from?" First of all, God already knows the answer. He doesn't ask any question. Doesn't know. He knows that 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 Satan's been wandering the earth. In fact, he knows that Satan's been in Job's backyard. In fact, he knows that Satan's thinking about Job. He already knows. God already knows that Satan has a target on Job's head. Where have you Where have you been? Just like whenever he was asking Adam, "Oh, Adam, where are you?" I know what you're up to, sucker. Don't lie. Don't sit here and try to pretend. Well, I've just been wandering around the world, walking to and fro. Have you considered my Joe, my servant Joe? He's not putting the idea in the devil's head. He's not like, hey, you know there's a guy down there. His name's Joe. He's my favorite guy. I would really like you to go torment him. You know, he didn't do that. He's God is reading the devil's mail. Where did you come from, Satan? I already know. I want to know if you can tell me the truth. Well, I was just wandering around. He's like he's, he's sidestepping the question. No, no, Satan. Where have you been? I've been wandering around the world, just walking around, just wandering to and fro. 
have you been considering my servant Job? You see? Let's get down to the details, Satan. Where were you really last night? Were you picking over Job's hedge? Were you trying to were you were you contemplating taking Job out? God never gave Satan the idea to go torment Job. That mind his mind was already made up. He says, well, look, does, God, does Job fear God for nothing? If you just touch his, if you just touch his stuff, and what does God, what does God do? No, 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 it's all in your hands already, Satan. Behold, all that he has belong is already in your hands. You see, so Job didn't have a covering. He didn't have a pro this protection thing. You see what I'm saying? He didn't. It's not like um, he had the promises of Isaiah 54, where it says. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. See? <coughs> Bless you. Bless me. Thank you. <coughs> he didn't have those promises. <coughs> so we're talking about, the, if you study the covenants, you understand that Job doesn't have the same promises that you and me have. But that's because we have something that's been given to us in what the Bible scholars call a dispensation. We, some people will say we're in the dispensation of grace. <clears throat> that means there's this timing that prophetically has been set in place. During this time, we receive mercy and grace because of the blood of Jesus. Right? We have redemption in our life. But Job wasn't in what, what the scholars would call this, dis, this dispensation. That he's not in the Redeemer's dispensation. That makes sense? Watch this. Oh, that my words were written. This is Psalm, uh, Job 19, verse 23 through 27. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. <clears throat> oh, that with an iron pen and lead that they were engraved in the rock forever. Watch this, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Wait a minute. What the heck? Wait a minute, Job. So Job is predating, we're talking about Job's, Job's probably predates the flood. There's a 4,000 year gap between Adam and Jesus. Predating the flood means that he was only, if he was predates the flood, that means was, that means you can cut out 1,500 years. What's this, 4,000 minus? That's not right. 2,500 years before Jesus? 2,000 years. 2,500 years before Jesus, minimum. Behold, I know that my Redeemer lives. 2,500 years from now. <laughs> and that, and at the last, at the last what? In the later days. Yeah, that's latter days right there, baby. Latter, latter days. In the latter days... He will stand upon this earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, and yet in my flesh I shall see God, my Redeemer shall come after I'm dead and gone. Job is seeing something way past. Job's a prophet. Job's a prophet. Oh, that my words were written. Why? Because he's a prophet. Why did the devil hate Job so much? Because Job was a big threat. He was a prophet. He saw Jesus. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, my heart faints within me. Job, watch this. 
The book of, uh, of James says this, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. If you study, here's what people do, man. They're like, oh, I'm just, they all want to get wrapped up in Job. What about Job? What about Job? What about Job? My life's destined for trials and tribulations. Don't you know the whole story of Job? You know, people that do that, they don't read the rest of the book. And, and, and you got to read all the way to chapter 40, I think it's 40 or 42. How many, how many chapters in Job? Forty-two. Forty-two. Mm -hmm. got to read all the way to forty-two. 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 In forty-two, he gets everything back. Like double, double or seven times. I can't remember. Uh, don't don't quote me. So <laughs> let's find out. Some things I think he got double. Some things I think he got like seven times. Forty-two. Just look at this. <clears throat> and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. When he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before, then came to him all his brothers and sisters, and all who had known him before, and ate bread with him in his house. You know that all the trials of Job lasted about maybe a week? Everything was taken in with him in a day. You see? And he lived an old man. He lived 140 years. 140 years after his trial. Look, look at this. Let me show you the whole thing. And they showed him sympathy and covered him for all the, it says right here that the evil of the Lord had brought upon him, but I really don't even think that's right. Um, and each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And we already know that Job was like the Bill Gates of his day when he lost everything. Job blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 cows, 1,000 yoga guards, and 1,000 female donkeys. He, he also had seven sons and three daughters. So all the sons that he had and daughters that he had, he got replaced. Watch this. And he called the name of the first daughter, Jemima, and the name of the second, Keziah, and the name of the third, Karen Hooch. In all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons for generations. And Job died an old man in full days. Job pulled down a promise that was 2,500 years predated, expired. You ever got milk out of the fridge that was expired? Bad timing? 2,500 years. 2,500 years. And we want to know if God's going to show up tomorrow. Well, God's timing. Maybe it'll be two weeks. Job pulled down a promise 2,500 years out of his time. <laughs> it's good stuff. He pulled down a covenant that wasn't for his time. He understood a concept of faith because God's promises they break the barriers of time he knew the true will of God was to redeem him that faith made him a priest to his negative Nancy friends there is debate but I believe Job might have lived way before the flood I already mentioned that and definitely before Moses okay so he didn't have any of those promises that are in the scriptures he predated all that stuff he broke through Moses 
He broke he broke through the Noah covenant. He broke through the Moses covenant. He just reached all the way and grabbed Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so good. When people say, well, what about Job? I just want to be like, what about Job? <laughs> Did you even read it? <laughs> he wins. Not to mention all the other what abouts, like what about the blind man, John chapter 9, the leper, Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 17, the woman with an issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, Luke chapter 8, Lazarus, John chapter 11, the lame man dropped through the roof, Luke chapter 5, the man with a withered hand, Luke chapter 6, the 5,000 people being fed, Matthew chapter 14, Abraham's innumerable children, the Israelites versus the Egyptians, Joseph's redemption and the salvation of his family, entire cities being healed, Luke chapter 4, verse 40, and Matthew 15, verse 30. Why are we hung up on Job? <laughs> you know what it is? We like to magnify problems more than we like to magnify God. That's the problem. People like to focus on the evil report. A lot like the Israelites' spies did in Numbers chapter 13. Oh, we can't take the land. Will you shut up? It says that it was considered an evil report. And they had to, they had to wander the wilderness for 40 years because they believed something that God didn't say. They looked with their eyes. They said, look, there's giants in the land. We can't take the land. So they built all their faith off of their experience and what they were experiencing right now in front of them. They're walking on the water and they see the wind. Ah, uh, what am I doing? Back out. Unbelief. The Bible says that when they came back, it was an evil report. That God considered it an evil report. And only Caleb and Joshua made it into the promised land because Caleb followed God wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. But these other people were intimidated by what they saw instead of intimidated. They feared their environment instead of fearing God. Hey, thank you for watching and listening to this message. Be sure to hit the like button, share it to your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more content every single week. And if you haven't yet, be sure to visit our website at bombzs.com. Have a lot of content there and a lot of things that are absolutely free so be sure to utilize us as much as possible we hope that you were blessed by this message till next time have a blessed day